Uh, even though I was in show business and I treated my animals real well, it is still a it's still a, a horrible thing to see an animal have to get loaded in a transport and then you transport them to the venue. Then they sit backstage until they get their 15 seconds. Ooh, they appear and then uh, back in the box and then, you know, wait for the second show and then 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, you bring them back to their place and where they go from their box, they go into a caged environment. This is Locally Grown in Arizona. I'm your host, Regina Ravazova. A couple of weeks ago, we had a talk with Christy Morcom of Phoenix Zoo here at our program. And I thought of sort of natural extension of that conversation would be something we recorded more than a year ago, right before the pandemic shutdown happened. And the conversation was with a person that operates a large sanctuary for animals here in Arizona. Jonathan Kraft is the founder of Keepers of the Wild. It's an animal park located on Route 66 in Valentine, Arizona, which is about 25 minutes west of Kingman. And to help you to visualize it, if you've never been there, it's 175 acres of land nestled into a canyon. Jonathan Kraft operates it wearing many hats. He got staff there. The origin story is interesting because Jonathan used to perform with large cats, such as tigers, in Las Vegas many years ago. Now he rehabilitates animals that were used to entertain crowds in places like Las Vegas and really around the world. Just heads up, because of the nature of the conversation, you might find parts of this interview disturbing because we're going to be talking about abused animals, what happens to them. So make the decisions accordingly. And here is Jonathan to tell us all about his animals and his journey. Basically, what we're trying to do is just give him, just give him a, a nice home with some uh, large areas to roam around in that is a natural environment for them, not a concrete pit with, you know. Uh, like a zoological setting, and I hate to say that, but we're not fans of zoos, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to give them as much freedom and as much um, uh, peace as possible. A lot of them that we get are geriatric animals, and we have to put them on pain man- management because of arthritic conditions. And so, so there is a wide variety of these things that that happen to the animals when they come to us. But we just wish that none of them ever have to come to us you know, that we could coexist. Right, that's that's what I wonder. Like you're saying a lot of animals come to you already abused and, you know, neglected. Yes. I wonder if there are any mechanisms to do something before it happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously uh, 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 some of the bigger organizations, people, the, the, the organizations that have real money that can make difference uh, is, you know, companies like uh, organizations such as PETA or ADI or, you know, they have, a lot of money where they can go undercover and they can go fight legislation and put attorneys and lobbyists and whatever it is that they use, uh, mechanism they use, and we try to support that. And we, of course, will pass the word to the general uh, audience to uh, uh, call your congressman, you know, sure. call your congressman and, and sure. protest and, you know, what's happening with the elephants. It's just, it's just atrocious. And so the canned hunts is ridiculous. We need to stop that. Tell me why wild animals. It's kind of strange that you say, you know, it's actually a real good question because um, 
and I've told people that I'm talking about many years ago when I first started out in show business, and 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 I I tell people, you know, if you would have told me a year ago or two years ago that I would be crawling in a den box with lions and tigers, I would tell you you're absolutely out of your mind. And so, but I've always been really, really good with animals. We, I've always had pets, including pet ravens. And, you know, God forbid my mother would hurt a fly in the house, open the window to let it out. You know, so I've always been a, really for animals as a kid. When I got involved in show business, all of a sudden, one about two baby tigers for all the wrong reasons. And, uh, of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. And so, uh, you know, as we are developing our show, these little guys were in a, in a playpen next to my bed, and they're screaming all night because they want to be fed and stimulated and so on. And so I really fell in love with them, you know. And then, of course, my show went on, uh, and I've got still relatively small cats with big props. I said, well, that is not going to work. Let's get a couple of big cats. And so I didn't know. Maybe they were going to eat me, you know. And so... They opened the case, says, let them out. And they came over to me, and we became friends instantly. And that was Natasha and Samantha. And they were big cats. So uh, even though I was in show business and I treated my animals real well, it is still a it's still a, a horrible thing to see an animal have to get loaded in a transport, and then you transport them to the venue. Then they sit backstage until they get their 15 seconds. Ooh, they appear. And then uh, back in the box and then, you know, wait for the second show and then, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, you bring them back to their place, and where they go from their box, they go into a caged environment. And so it is a terrible form of, of abuse. Even though you may feed them well and love them and hug them and all of that, it's still it's still abuse and exploitation. And so um, so I had a couple of fans of mine that used to come to my, anim- to my animal park behind the Aladdin Hotel, and I used to do a show there, and I'd go from well, I should say cage to cage. It, it, they made it look like an environmental thing. And I would go and, and do a show with the animals. And Bernadette Peters and, and, and uh, Stephanie Powers and a wide variety of other stars that did their shows in the evening, they would come and watch me work with the big cats in the afternoon. And so Stephanie one day, uh, you know, we became real friendly, and I'd go see her show. She'd invite me backstage, and and, uh, uh, and she was at the Desert Inn at the time. I was at the Aladdin, so she, you know, right up the street. And so she said to me, you know, um, you're doing such a wonderful job, and I heard that you already have been rescuing some animals. So why don't you become a nonprofit? Because remember, she and the William Holden Foundation have one of the largest facilities in Africa that protects animals and uh, and I said, boy, that's great. Of course, I didn't realize it takes two years to get your your permit. And now from making a lot of money, I had to, you know, beg for money. So it was a huge transition for me. But I just, I looked at these animals, even though I quit show business, I said, I can't leave them. And so they were my kids. And so now I have to feed them all the time. And so, you know, feeding a big cat is about $1,000 a month. It's a lot of money. And so if you got 10 big cats, it's 10 grand a month. Going back, so how long were you in the show business? It's We were actually in pre-production for several years, two, three years. And uh, we had negotiated uh, finally a deal with the Aladdin Hotel. We were taking over the big theater behind the Aladdin and then the owner of um, the hotel got killed in a motorcycle accident, and so somebody else took over, you know, a bean counter. And, and, and uh, so uh, I thought that was a good time. I finished my six-month contract behind the door, my second one, and I just said, bye-bye, that's it, I'm done. 
and uh, <clears throat> because I really did feel for the animals. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you do the wrong thing and the best thing on the planet comes out of it, you know. Sure, sure. And and so that's kind of where I'm at with, with my animals now. I mean, now I no longer have that personal attachment because, sure. you know, all of my animals that I work with uh, have passed, obviously. Uh, you look in these animals' eyes and you can just imagine what they've been through. They get beaten and they get... They stick in a cage where they see nothing all day long, years on end. Um, we rescued five bears with the help from PETA, and uh, one bear um, had been in a cage probably 20 by 10 or even smaller for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Never come out of that cage, a concrete floor, a spare tire of a car to play with. That's it. That's the enrichment the animals get. So it's, it's really, really, and it's the same thing in circus. They have a horrible, horrible life. Were yeah. you the person that was involved in training, or? Yes, I was the sole person of that did the training. Yes, did my train. partner was. You know, he was into the the dance part of the show, and I mean, I was as well because we're both dancers. I mean, we, you know, I used to own ballroom dance studios, and so did he at one time. So, <clears throat> and him and his wife had a wonderful act uh, uh, with another gentleman called the Delrose Trio. And so he was very familiar with show business. And he saw me one time and he said, you know, uh, uh, I've got an opportunity here, you know, to go on stage. It says, well, would I, because I have produced before, so I've been always behind the scenes. What do you, you know, what am I going to do? He says, be the same asshole you've always been. I says, well, I can do that. <laughs> And so, so we became like a, a little bit of a comedy dance magic show, which had never been done before. And so it was really cool, you know, but unfortunately, the animals uh, got to me. And, and so I just, uh, we put in a hiatus. That was it. After the contract that failed with the Aladdin, we had other opportunities. We decided not to. You decided not to go with it. No. Or was it a hard decision for you? To well, it was a very financially painful decision to make. You know, I had, uh, you know, you're in Vegas and you're in show business. You have a lot of jewelry. Well, little by little, all my jewelry disappeared because I had to feed my cats. And so um, some people got some real good deals. But, you know, it's all materialistic, you know, and so you got to, you just got to go and, and if you believe in something, put everything you got into it. Because I think it will come back and pay off in the long run. When we make these decisions to change our direction, like there should be something such a like, strong, powerful drive behind it. Was that animals for you? Yes, that, absolutely. Were you good and natural with training these? Big yeah, animals? I mean, it was. It came very natural to me. You know, I did. I didn't try to treat him like a dog or a n- normal cat. It's just like. Uh, you really have to get down with the animal and feel their vibe. They're all, they're, listen, each, like I got 20 tigers or 22 tigers or eight, I don't know how many I have at the moment. Each and every one of those tigers has a different attitude. And uh, some of them are easier to work with than others. They have different moods, different mood cycles. They'll let you know in their own quirky little way if you really pay attention uh, when they're sick, which is very hard to recognize in, in a wild animal because wild animals particularly hold their discomfort and pain 
until it's almost too late because in the wild, they, if they showed any kind of weakness, they would get killed. G give me an example how you recognize that. Well, you can tell, I can tell by the expression in their face. It's like, you know, like if you have pets yourself, you can tell, or when a person is, is oh, God, that hurts, and you kind of squint. So you can see that. You can also see whether they, um, uh, you know, many times it's, it's smart. We clean each and every habitat every day, so it's smart to look in their stool. And um, and if you have some kind of question, sell, send stool samples into the laboratories and <clears throat> and uh, so try to get some results. Um, many many times you can see um, uh, different parts of their body. Like the most recent one we had, I said, "Boy, that tummy looks just awfully big." And when she walks or when he walks, it's like swaying back. But something isn't right. We better take this cat in now. And sure enough, we had to euthanize the cat because it had a tumor the size of a basketball right around its kidneys and so i mean if 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 that would have been a pet you would have been able to detect that much easier and much sooner and that's not the case sometimes with wild animals mm -hmm. so it is very very important that if you that's the only thing that i like about hands-on with an animal and i do not want to recommend that to anybody please but hands-on with these big cats gives you a lot more of an insight with them and and how they feel because you can you know you're interacting with them so it gives you a little bit more insight Obviously, today we don't do that anymore. Other than if an animal is really in trouble, we'll go in and and help him out and or immobilize him and you know get him to the hospital as soon as possible. And we might not have to do that in the near future because right now we're building a little hospital right on our uh, in our animal park, so we don't have to transport him anymore, which is wonderful. Jonathan, tell me please a little bit more about your habitats, where they are, how big they are. Help me to visualize them, I guess. Okay, we have uh, right now, of course, Keepers of the Wild is located on Route 66 in Valentine, Arizona, which is about 20 minutes, 25 minutes east of Kingman. And it's a it's a beautiful drive through there, by the way. And so we are kind of, uh, we have 175 acres, and it's kind of nestled into a, in, in a canyon. And not all of that 175 acres, obviously, is buildable because some of that is, you know, mountain. So... But we have, in the middle of uh, all of that, we have a wide variety of habitats for a wide variety of large cats, which include mountain lions as well as a variety of leopards. And we have lions, of course. We have tigers. And we have some of the smaller cats like bobcats and, and lynxes and so on. So, And those habitats are all natural. There is natural vegetation in there, giant rocks and boulders. We didn't put them there. They were there. So we built a habitat around a piece of nature that is natural. We didn't, you know what I'm saying? We're not, we didn't build it. Other than for the bears, we do put a lot of big rocks, and we have beautiful big swimming pools for them because bears love the water. So do the cats, by the way. The tigers love water. The rest of them don't. Do you yeah. have a lot of people visiting? Yeah, I'd like to get more. Hint, hint, hint. So, Jonathan, from this strip of Las Vegas to this wilderness, tell mm -hmm. me about that transition. I'm super curious about it. 1995, right? 25 mm -hmm. years ago, mm -hmm. right? Why there how like well, what was going on I, I of course now I was out of show business and I had no money and I was running out of jewelry <laughs> mm -hmm. so um, uh, a good friend of mine uh, which is still one of my best friends Dwight Jory and we always laugh about it because he was watching me and in the Vegas area I was trying to start a sanctuary well good luck the hotels don't like it because they don't want the public to be pulled away from the hotels 
property is extremely expensive. And I was battling in uh, with the uh, uh, town hall meeting in, in Las Vegas when... Uh, and uh, Dwight Jory happened to see me, and uh, they were just treating me terrible. They wouldn't give me a chance. And he said, the word became appalled. He says, I was appalled. And so today, still, when we see each other, were you appalled or were you whatever? So uh, he said, him and, and, and a couple of partners had some property out in White Hills. Well, I didn't know what White Hills was. And he said, look, you know, I know that you're looking for a place. It's not going to cost you anything, you know, a couple of percent from the gate. Not until you open, obviously. And so uh, I took a drive out there, and I'm talking, this is in the middle of nowhere. You're about an hour, an hour or five minutes out of Vegas. And I'm telling you, it is, there is nothing there other than there was a gas station and, and uh, a little restaurant and an ice cream shop. And so that was the property. It was 30-some-odd acres. I didn't own it. They let me stay on that property for five years, and then something went wrong, and the original owners got it back. And they wanted me now to pay big-time rent, or they wanted me off the property. So I had an option to purchase the property, but I had no money. The property was for sale for $3.5 million. And I sold it, and I did a three-way flip with another gentleman that owned property uh, in the— and, you know, because the owner asked me, how are you going to pay for it? I had $5,000 in the bank. I said, don't worry about it, I'll get you the money. And within that period of time, within 24 hours, we, we flipped that property and so, because I exercised my option. And uh, I made $600,000 on the deal. And that's how I went then down, we took that money and we bought the property where we are now in Valentine. And uh, you know, moving all these animals is, a, is, I'm not kidding, it's a huge task. And particularly when moving from Vegas, you know, in those days, you still had to come across Hoover Dam. You had that little, that checkpoint. <laughs> and the cars that open up the back and said, I don't think you want me to do that. Why not? Well, there is a lion in the back. We don't believe you. Well, peek through the window. Yeah, there is a lion in the back. <laughs> And so we transferred all of our animals, uh, you know, uh, sometimes on a flatbed with eight or ten cages with tigers in it. And I don't have to tell you the kind of looks that you get when you're going down the road with all these big cats. So it was really very, very hard, but it was also very interesting. And you learn a lot what to do, what not to do, how to, you know, how to safeguard things and how to treat the animals, make sure you do it during the cool part of the day. And, uh, you know, least stress is better. And so... Uh, yeah, it's tough. And then you got to, of course, be one of the biggest issues is safety, 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 safety. That nobody sticks their hands in a cage and loses their fingers or, you know. Interesting. So how many animals do you have right now on your property? About 130. 130. Yeah, about and these that. these are from big cats to small raccoons. and. Yes, yes. Most of them are large animals. But, uh, you know, we do have some llamas and alpacas. We do have a camel. But most of them are big cats. Where where are they coming from? Are they from Las Vegas? Where? Yeah, some of them. Matter of fact, is there was a, a very famous magician, uh, Rick Thomas, which is a fabulous guy, and he always used big cats in his show. He had decided to go it alone and and no longer use cats in his show. So he had asked me, he had approached me if he could bring the cats to us, and we said absolutely yes. He brought all of the cats to us, and uh, a couple of them have passed now. This has been years ago. But we still have three or four of them, three of them, I think, 
he surrendered his animals to us, and he is now, and he still is, does his magic show. It's a fabulous show. It's a lot more interactive with the audience now. He still shows a little video, 10 minutes, of the cats that he used to work with, and he does mention Keepers of the Wild. And we see a show every once in a while when he's close by. He'll come to Vegas or something. He always calls me on stage, and he always gives Keepers of the Wild a big plug, and he does raise money for So that's cool, and those are those are some of the things that we're trying to do. We're after Dirk Carter. We just hope that this man gives up his cats because, you know, uh, Kirby Van Birch did. Uh, you know, there's a wide variety. Look, look what happened to Ringling Brothers, the elephants. And, you know, of course, now they ship the big cats to Europe, which is unfortunate. But the writing is on the wall. You know, trust me that uh, there won't be any more animals in any kind of show business probably within the next decade. I mean, it is just becoming so strong. People are going a lot more vegan, uh, vegetarian, uh, you know, protecting the environment, uh, you know, global warming, protecting the animal species. I think that Australia, even though it was a very unfortunate, you know, made people realize, boy, these animals are really suffering. And so that goes for all animals. There's the dancing bears of, of uh, in Istanbul and horrible, horrible abuse. Uh, the, the dog meat trade, how they burn them alive. You you know, I don't want to be too descriptive, but uh, in in Vietnam and in China, it's just horrible. You know, we need to, we need to, you know, right now with this, this coronavirus, perfect, people are throwing their pets off the 20-story building because they think they're not informed. That's the problem. There's no education. You know, what is right and what's wrong. And the um, same thing with uh, all the parts from tigers that they used in China. It's ridiculous. It has no medicinal purpose, uh, uh, value at all. It is all in the mind. So I'm hoping with the newer generation, because we do a lot of field trips, and you'd be surprised, these little kids that six, seven years old, they're asking real intelligent questions. And in many times they know more than their teachers or their parents that come with them, you know, when it comes to animals. Because, of course, the Internet is available to them, too, you know, so there's a lot of research. Right. But also I thought, you know, when I was thinking about Keepers of the Wild, I was thinking this is – this is such a right time because I feel that the world is waking up to something. Absolutely. And it's not only about animals. It's about so many different things, right? right? So there is this movement that started a long time ago, yeah. slowly, subtly. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I, I agree with you. People, my friends, that have always taken, like they were kids and they went to circus, they would never take the kids to circus. Anymore. Absolutely not. And the rides on the elephants and, you know, with the bull, bull hook and all of that, that's just it's just horrible. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and to, you know, with Keepers of the Wild, go a step further. My partner and I, we do own uh, 4,000 acres about an hour out of Vegas, also towards Kingman and uh, we've been in the process of building a, a new animal park, an additional animal park called Wild Planet. You can see it. Go online, uh, uh, wildplanet.org. And um, we dedicated 2,480 acres, which is four square miles. Okay, that's a lot of property. That is a lot of So if anybody out there has $70 million, that's what we're looking for. And, uh, You're raising money right now. Yeah, and we have put a quite a bit of money, and we are looking at some serious investors right now. We've had a lot of good, uh, uh, a lot of good hits on that. When the animals, so I want to go back, circle back a little bit to the animals. When so, okay, you provide dental care and this like you, you heal them, you help them to. There's so much also the psychological, I guess, trauma that is involved from their previous lives and how they were treated. So what happens then to like? 
Uh, first of all, are you living in this property with Valentine? Yes. Are you there all the time? So you see... I s yes. What do you see? Tell me what you well, see. Well, you know, it, it's really remarkable. Animals are so forgiving. I mean, I know animals that I know, they, I mean, they beat the crap out of them. And, or they, with, you know, they poke them with hot sticks or whatever. And yet, once they see, and they may be really nervous and uptight when they're in that box and they're being transferred to God knows they don't know where the heck they're going. And then when you let them loose and they look around and they see a real tree they can scratch on and roll in the grass or run through this bush, you know, that is such a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. And it doesn't take that long to really get to know the animal. I mean, I people say, oh, it must take weeks. No, sometimes it takes only 20 minutes. You know, they know, they can tell that you have the right thing in mind for them. Some of them are a little diff more difficult than others. And as you all have heard, you know, I got nailed by one. And so, uh, which wasn't his fault, it was my fault. But um, it is just wonderful to see. And particularly in primates, primates are really, because the, the enrichment programs is closely monitored by USDA and, and uh, Game and Fish and so on and so forth. Uh, it is very important that you, you know, with the primates, for instance, we'll give them like uh, pinatas and put their food in there, or we'll give them like uh, one of those big taco shells, or we'll give them a, a lunch, a, like a lunch baggie, or uh, they stuff it in. We have pipes with holes in it we put food in, and they have to pick it out. So that you have to keep them busy. So with the big cats, we have, of course, they have natural habitat, and but they have big boomer balls that they play with at $600 each, by the way, and because a tiger cannot have a regular ball, you understand, it'll eat them. So those are the kind of things you can do for them, and, and, but cats in general are pretty lazy, and uh, so we try to keep them in the daytime. We keep them out in the habitat. They have to go through certain exercises to come into their den area and so that we can clean the habitat and then vice versa. So they do get a lot of interaction outside the cage, of course, you know. For sure, for sure. Yeah. It's so, sounds to me that to just keep these animals there, it's it's just expensive thing to do. Very expensive. How do you handle this? Well, you know, and that's another thing is I um, I always tell people, you know, we just rescued, well, not just a couple of years ago, probably a year and a half ago, we rescued uh, five big cats out of northern uh, Dakota, I think it was. I can't remember exactly. And I told people, I says, it's wonderful. People say, well, why don't you rescue those animals? I says, well, do you realize five cats cost me $100,000 a year? Period. That's what it costs. That's what it adds to your budget. That doesn't include, God forbid, serious medical expense. You still have to build a habitat. Habitats for a tiger are about 50, 50 to $55 a foot. So it's nice to give them two acres. Try to enclose two acres of habitat. You're talking about sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 for one cat. So sometimes if I, it's kind of nice well, because we have such large habitats where we rescue animals. Sometimes I say, well, you got one single, but you got a group of five there. I got a giant habitat. Let's take those five. They live together. They already get along. And so, uh, uh, so our habitats are big enough for that. For our senior uh, citizens that have arthritic problems and or have been declawed in show business, which is another, it's another problem. We give them much smaller habitats, probably quarter of an acre, half acre, and but it's the surface is a little nicer, and they have uh, nice clean sand and uh, no big hills and 
you know, to climb on or anything like that. And they're happy with that. So th- these cats and these animals, they just live until they naturally pass away? Or? Yeah, until they pass away or till it is really, really time to put them down. Uh, we, right now we have Sabrina. Uh, she's a liger. She went through three years of legal problems with the state of Ohio. And they had temporarily put the animal, that animal, and another cougar with us. And, and uh, if the people would have won the case, we would have had to give the animals back. But the uh, uh, liger arrived, and I uh, looked in her mouth, and it looked like all of her canines and her teeth were like, it was, it, her gums were so swollen, you could barely see her teeth. So we right away got her into the vet. We got our uh, dentist to come over. And he looked at it, and we did, I believe, six root canals on this cat, and I don't know how many fillings. And, of course, you got to imagine how painful that it has to be to, to have to eat with such a sore mouth. And, of course, it poisons your system. Anyway, we got her through that. She's lived two, three years with us now. She's really wonderful. This cat is, and it's unheard of, this cat is at least, that we know of, 23 years old. That's just not heard of because tigers generally live 14 if you give them real good uh, medical care and we get them soon enough and all of that we got a lot of cats that live up to 20 19 20 but now she is to a point where she's almost starting to drag her feet her back legs and when she's no longer and she's on pain management and we try to do whatever we can for her we make sure the places that she walks that we clean the rocks away and all of that we try to make her as comfortable as possible can i move her in a smaller habitat yes i won't because she's in love with the big male lion next door so i'm not going to deprive her from that so she's got a giant habitat and um, it's probably it's probably going to be time i'm sure this year um, you know she could fool me and live a little longer but once the quality of life is gone <clears throat> then I will put her to sleep, and then we take it to the vet, and then they euthanize it. Do you personally know the animals that come to your habitat? Yes. All of them? Yes. Wow. I mean, I remember all of their names all of the time because I don't work with them that much anymore, uh, but I see their names on paperwork, and when I do my walkthroughs through the park or drive-throughs, and, uh, you know, I go check on the staff. So I do know the cats. I just, the visual thing... Can I tell out of the five cat? Well, I think I can pick up PJ, but there's a couple of them, Moses, and so that I may not know the difference between the cats because, once again, I don't work with them personally anymore. So, But, yeah, I do know all the cats, yes. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have to say no to yes. some animals? What, yes. Give them, give them well, you know, we get, right now it's been quiet. God, I can't believe that. It's always quiet before the storm. But there is times that... On a weekly basis, I get calls. I got, you know, I give you an example. The California Waste Station just closed down. Uh, they had, I don't know, four or five hundred animals that need to be placed. A lot. Oh, a lot of animals. A lot of big cats, and I understand they still have a lot of um, uh, primates there, which are very hard to place, particularly chimps, and uh, and particularly the ones that have been uh, been in laboratories and they're really psychologically messed up. And some of them physically, I've got primates that are, that you know, have neurological problems in their face because they pulled their uh, their canines, uh, so that they wouldn't bite the owner. I got one monkey that came right out of Phoenix that we took in, I don't know, three four years ago. He's a little capuchin. He's really cute, and uh, he's got no teeth. And so I said to the lady, I said, so by the way, is 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 Roscoe handleable? And she said, 
well, yeah, now he is. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, he bit my husband, so we had his teeth pulled. So I thought she meant his canines. And I said, you mean his canines? She said, no, I, we pulled all of them. And I go, holy moly. So now we have to make special, which we don't mind because we have to do a lot of special diets for a lot of special animals. You know, we have a thousand foot, a thousand foot uh, uh, square foot kitchen, stainless steel kitchen. So we're used to doing that. But nevertheless, this little guy cannot eat like a normal primate, you know, and sometimes you get ones that have uh, allergies. I've got primates that have got allergies to peanuts. Who would have figured that out? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so it's it, it gets somewhat interesting. <laughs> is there an option for adoption from your sanctuary? We're putting out new adoption program. Uh, by adoption, we mean you can adopt a, a tiger. That doesn't mean you get to take them home with you now. <laughs> okay. So we have three levels. I think it's 150 bucks, $250, and $500. $500, you can pick any big cat of your choice. And we want people to know that all of that money goes into a general fund, but all of that money is used for the animals. So uh, you know, if if somebody, I have people that sponsor habitats that actually pay for an entire habitat, and some habitats are $100,000, and of course they get the permanent plaque and all of that, but if somebody, let's say, I want to build a new bear habitat, for the grizzlies, for instance, now thank God that part of that habitat is already built, but under, gen under normal conditions, it would probably cost about $100,000 for grizzly bears. Don't forget, you have to put fencing underground. You have to put electric wires around. That has to be 12 feet high, 3, 4 feet in. you got to make bedrooms, den areas. I mean, it gets – and then you have to have the safety fences, safety areas for the staff. You have to have safety fences for the customers. So by the time you get done with all of that, you spend hundred grand. And so – but sometimes, let's say somebody gives you $100,000. Well, it may only cost 95000 That's fine. Then we use the other five thousand towards something else. Uh, if it is one hundred and ten thousand dollars, we'll pay the ten thousand dollars. You know, so uh, I want people to understand when they give five hundred dollars towards something, not necessarily that. You know, it all depends when it's necessary at the time. But in any event, those are the sponsorships, and I think you get a nice little certificate for that. Of course, a letter for the IRS because it is tax deductible, and I believe you also get a photo of that animal. So it's kind of neat. It is really yeah. neat. Is there anything I didn't ask you? Want to add? My attack. <laughs> Tell me about it. Okay. Uh, because I'm, you know, I've had a lot of television coverage, and <clears throat> when the hospital has to, when the hospital has to tell everybody, no, he's not here, because we were getting calls from all over the world, basically. And uh, actually, what happened uh, to me is it was, you know, my home is in the middle of the animal park. So when I am, you know, when you look past my trees in my front yard, you see grizzly bears and black bears. My side yard, when you look out of my bedroom, when you see a white tiger. And if you look out of my kitchen window, you see leopards. And so I'm totally surrounded by animals. And so my leopard habitat is right behind it. It was a terrible, terrible deluge of a storm, and it was hailing. And my uh, the leopards just hate that kind of weather. So in my T-shirt, I just ran over to the uh, safety area, and I just opened the cages, you know, they're overlapping gates from the uh, from their habitat into their bedroom, and they just walk right past, and I lock them in. And so I see Bowie, the tiger, who, you know, you got to remember, I'm, I'm, I'm a person in show business, so I'm used to, you know, a tiger walks by me, I pat him on the butt, no big deal, the cat listens to me, he goes into his bedroom. 
me not thinking because, you know, the, there was a metal roof over top of their bedroom, and it's hailing, so it's like thundering and lightning, and it's, you just got to imagine this. You know, I thought this animal was panicking, and he's like going back and forth in front of the gate, and I go, God, I'm going to let him in too real quick. Well, uh, I didn't realize, and I did, it, didn't, it just didn't dawn on me at the time that this is a new cat. We had just put him in that habitat, and... Uh, um, uh, you know, you don't know what has happened to him. Maybe some guy beat the crap out of him. We don't know that. And so, anyway, as I shift him, he jumped the gate, and he got on me like now. I believe I fought him for about eight minutes until finally I was on my stomach, and he was on my back, and he had me by my neck, and I thought it was curtains, for real. And so then my staff happened to come up. So I already broke my own protocol. You understand? You should never shift an animal without ever. But, you know, when you're the boss and you put the rules together, sometimes you think you can break the rules. And the answer is no. I paid a big price for that. And so uh, two of my staff members happened to come up by accident because they knew the leopards don't like the rain and certainly not the hail. So they come up to put them in. Thank God. And so they started you know, wailing on the cat it didn't help. And so, but I knew they were in the safety area with me. So they told me that I actually flipped over and started punching him. And then they pulled me into the transport box, which a transport box is not a box. It's a, it's a cage on wheels at six feet long, four feet high, and three feet wide. So as Matt goes into the box, he grabs me, I guess by my shirt, yanks me in the box, and the tiger comes in the box with me. So now I got a 450-pound cat on top of me in the box, and I said, pull me out. So they pull me out from underneath, and as I'm kicking the cat in the face, and that backed the cat off just long enough for them to close the gate. So now the cat is in the box, and I'm laying in the rain and in the mud. And I waited for about an hour uh, for an ambulance to get there. They could not do a flight for life because it was the weather was too bad. And then I arrived at Kingman Regional, and they said, there's nothing we can do for him. And uh, so they drove me by ambulance straight to Las Vegas. And the first thing they had to do was transfusions because I virtually had no blood pressure. Yeah. Were yeah. you bleeding? Were oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, my ear was, my ear was ripped off. I had holes in my head. I got giant, giant holes. Oh, wow. I see. I see. I, yeah, I got two. I, in the back I, of your neck. The back of my neck, they went, it goes all the way across. He came within two millimeters from my spinal cord. He bit through both hands, both arms, both legs, both feet. That foot was almost severed. This hand was almost severed. And you know something? All the bites that I took, he never hit a main main artery. You can see on the side here. He just he got me on, he got me on my head real good. And so I heal. You can't even see the scars anymore. I mean, I heal very very fast. Thank God for that. And maybe it's the good living, you know. And I don't blame Bowie for that. I mean, uh, you know, I was just hoping that he was fine, and uh, and he was, and he, you know, he lived for another six months. That's the cat that I was telling you about, that had the big swollen tummy, and we took him in, and we found that, that basketball-sized tumor, and of course we had to put him down because the the cancer was over his whole body. And so then later on, my vet says maybe that's why he was so aggressive, because he was obviously in a lot of pain. So. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. So I would have never euthanized that animal. It's always it was a one hundred one percent my fault, my stupidity, and just being too casual because I'm very casual with big cats. I mean, like, you know, I used to be at a point where, uh, you know, my animal keeper would say, "Well, I can't get him over here to take his medicine." It says, "Well, give me his medicine." I just walk in the habit and stick it in his mouth, and so 
you know what I'm saying? I have a very good rapport with these animals. And but once again, is don't anybody try that because they are dangerous. And you know, uh, I've been in the business for 25 plus years, and I'm considered an expert with big cats, and I get nailed big time. Mm-hmm. And I'm in for a couple. I got a T-Rex arm. That's as far as it moves. So oh, wow. uh, this whole shoulder is gone. The uh, rotator cuff is gone. Uh, my scapula, when he bit in the back of my my scapula, just exploded. They found pieces in my neck of my scapula. So it was it was really a severe attack. And but I survived it. And uh, two more surgeries. Going to get a reverse shoulder and. I'll be good as new. So it's all in the attitude. You know, it's, I hope, a good lesson for everybody. Don't try to be dumb like I did and and be arrogant and say, oh, no big deal. Because, you know, the minute you become complacent, then you get nailed. It's a very dangerous business. You got to remember you're dealing with predators. Even though they're lovable and they want your love and they want your attention, they want you to take care of them, they are still a predator, number one. That's the one thing you got to remember. So you, what, what you got out of it was you, you reinforced the rules. Yeah, I mean, you know, I broke my own protocols. Sure. I mean, and, and once again is because I always tell my staff, do what I say, don't do what I do, because I'm used to a lot of these cats. I can, I can crawl in the den box, go to sleep with them. Sure. You know, and I said, don't try that, please. So I try not to do anything like that in front of my staff or the public sure. uh, because it's just not right, you know, and so... I'm glad you're doing well. Yeah, I'm, you know. I'm fine. Just a little wiser now. And I can hope also with my attack, I hope that I prevent a lot of other people in the future to get hurt. Sure. Because, you know, pay attention. Yeah, sure. No, we appreciate you telling this story because yeah. it's, it's just so vivid. I can see the rain and everything. and it's. Oh, yeah. I got everything. Thank you so much. Cool. It was fun. Nice. We were speaking with Jonathan Kraft, the founder, president, and the executive director of Keepers of the Wild. I'm your host, Regina Revazova. You can find this podcast on any app of your choice. And as always, if you like this content, share it with a friend, write us a review. This helps us tremendously when it comes to spreading the word about this program. You've been listening to Locally Grown in Arizona. <laughs>